Good Monday morning. It's Matt Hodell with the Bastards of Art podcast. Hope everyone's doing really, really well. I'm going to break format right now. Uh, you know, for the last uh, 20, 30 weeks or so, I've been just doing these monologues where I just kind of talk uh, to you directly, just myself, a little 15 minutes of information where I try to pick up a topic and help the uh, you know the struggling artist be a little more positive, reach the goals they want to reach, and you know, realize that they're not alone in this world and that success isn't about the luck of the draw. You know, there's hard work involved. There's a little bit of thinking involved. There's a little bit of planning involved. But at the end of the day, you're not alone. Um, hopefully this podcast gets through to those people and inspires them to keep going. Because if you're, if you're at that point, you're like, why the hell am I doing this? Whether it's like a craft style, a craftsmanship style pursuit where you're making maybe leather belts or something um, creative like that, or whether you're actually trying to paint and make it into more of that uh, painting world. And you're like, I don't know why I'm even doing this. Um, You know, Henry Miller once said, uh, you have to pick what is a hobby and what is a career. And sometimes that's really painful uh, when you're pursuing something you're so in love with but at the end of the day, you're just not getting bills paid, especially if you have kids, especially if you have a mortgage, especially if you've overextended yourself financially. Um, it really ruins the freedom you have to explore a pursuit that might be fruitful one day, but you need to make money now. Um, so I'm trying to come at people and say, look, man, even if you're not at the pro level, even if you're still at the hobby level, um, see it through man you know go back listen to some of my episodes and hopefully get some tips and pointers of how to have a fresh perspective on what it is you're trying to accomplish but today like i said i'm going to break format a little bit uh i own a tattoo shop in st louis missouri i don't talk about it too much um and at my shop uh i have met a new friend her name's haram and she came to me um because she wanted to start a new pursuit and that pursuit was tattooing now in my mind it was kind of like you know i don't really i don't know what to do with you you know i don't know how to to bring you into the shop because we're not a street shop it's not like we have a plethora of clients that i can uh turn over to you to help you start knocking off the rough spots in your artistic endeavors you know the people who work at my shop, they have their clients. There's the, we don't even, we take no walk-ins here at all. So I didn't really know what to do, but there was something about her pursuit, something about through an interview process that I saw on her that had this kind of like uh, a little bit more as of a, you know, sophisticated, uh, a little bit more, uh, let's see, what is what I'm looking for? She just seemed like she had her shit together. If I want to use layman's terms, um, she wasn't a punk kid who's just like, uh, wanted a tattoo for the status um stigma that comes along with like ah tattoo for a living bro um in fact i think she was kind of um oblivious to the fact that there was this you know kind of punk rock tattoo lifestyle to her there was something about it it was drawn to her but on top of that she already had an llc doing caricature design um and a company that she oversaw and she had a degree from a college and all that said that this girl's got follow through so you know the 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 commitment aspect is super important in the transfer of information that's something where i've got over 20 years of experience and i'm trying to transfer over to someone else if they're not committed to slowly receive all that um 
then you know if they you know if they're if they're just just excited to start tattooing and just shut the fuck up and let me do my thing I, I can't do nothing for you but she had something different so after talking to her for a little while we set up this kind of system where she wasn't an apprentice she was a girl who wanted to learn how to tattoo and and in the beginning the big biggest things i wanted her to learn was the bigger picture what the tattoo industry is the people that have come before us because you know you've heard the saying we're standing on the shoulders of giants i wanted her to know the difference between a good tattoo and a bad tattoo so she could set a barometer for herself to know what she's looking at and she could have a visual language to pick apart um any influences that she might see or you know i think a lot of people when they get into tattooing they don't really know the difference between a good tattoo and a bad tattoo you know they're they're too concentrated on subject matter and not enough concentration on the craftsmanship you know and um so Without further ado, I'm kind of putting her on the spot. She's in the room with me right now. I want to introduce Haram. Haram, can I ask you a question really quick? Sure. Where did you grow up? I grew up in a small city called um, Changwon in South Korea for the first half of my life, which is like about 12 years. And then I moved to St. Louis about uh, when I was when I was 12. And um, and here I am. What was it? I mean, that had to be somewhat of a culture shock to, right. to go from. I, I, now, the stigma of, of of Korea is that everything's a lot more structured. Right. And there's immediate repercussions mm-hmm. for lack of commitment, for basically getting like, oh, look, squirrel. You know, you, uh-huh. there's a lot more direction, it seems like, yeah. in, in, just overall in culture, whether it be in the workplace or whether it's in school in general. And so coming to America where everything's a lot more lax, I mean, we kind of, it's not it's not even a joke anymore that we are like 29th in the world in math, you know, 30th in the world in science. Yeah. I, I'm just pulling numbers out of my ass, but... What was it like to go from a, a student in Korea to a student? Well, I was I was telling you before how I was like the dumbest kid in my class, and then I got here and I was like the smartest kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, but I think for me, um, it was um, I didn't fully fit in with the structure because I was like I said I was like the dumbest kid in class I was more into like art and more um more free type of thoughts than like structured and more um and then here it's just like people can just do anything that they want and then people I feel like they don't take advantage of what they can really do um and I think that I have an advantage there the, of the fact that I know what I want to do mm-hmm. and I can do it. Mm-hmm. Seems, Which is, it seems it seems like if you pick up pick an idea, the only thing holding you back at the end of the day is probably is yourself. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I feel. So, um, did you like? What is art like in Korea? Like, if you said, like, I know it's been a couple of years, but. What's the, yeah, like here, an artist in America, it seems like sometimes people get this conception that it's just this coffee drinking, scarf wearing, hoity toity, kind of whatever. Yeah. Or, or a total hippie that just kind of like, it's just art, bro. You know, what is, yeah. what is the stigma of an artist in? Well, in, you have to understand, I moved when I was in elementary sure, school. So sure. I can only. But you knew you were an artist that. even at 12, right? Like, did you, did you sketch? I knew and, it, but nobody was telling me, telling me that I was good. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Do you think that's on purpose? Like by design, they just tell you that you're not good. So you no, because there was always a number one. There is there if if there's a person who's really good, yeah. that person is the art person. Yeah. So you have to find something else to do because oh, that's wow. that's not you. That's not who you are. There's already an art person, so that can't be who you are. Right, and, that, and that was, I couldn't find what I was interested in because I wasn't the best in art. <laughs> that's funny. So yeah, so that's why I was the dumbest kid in school. So when you got to, I mean, here we have a high school, yeah. you know, and I don't know what the equivalent is in, in South Korea, but in high school, I'm sure by then you started getting your art legs. Yeah, well, I wasn't in high school in Korea. No, that's what I'm saying in the states. By the time oh. you got to the states. There was no number one chair. Yeah. Everyone could be an artist. Right. I mean, everyone right. can be whatever they want here. You can wake up one day and proclaim that you're a donut maker, and that's what everyone has I, to call you from now on. Well, I was dancing then. I was I was doing ballet, so I was interested in doing ballet. And in high school, I graduated a year early, earlier, so that I can go and do my pursue my ballet. Oh, thing. interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's what I thought I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. So you graduated dancing. high school early. Just to, to uh, yeah. go to college or? To Just um, to audition, okay. to spend all my time auditioning to different, because we we, I also had to travel, because mm. in St. Louis there's not too many um, opportunities as, as, a, mm -mm. as a dancer. No. So I went to Chicago and bigger cities to yeah. um, pursue that. But I... I get really, really nervous when I get put on. I get really, really nervous when I get put on the spot. Yeah. So even though I knew all the dance movements, I couldn't do it <laughs> on the spot. So yeah. I never got hired. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I didn't. I had no idea. Up yeah. This point. Yeah. So, so I was like, you know, I've always liked art, but no one really gave me that chance that mm -hmm. I was good at it. When did, I don't so, understand. So when did you pick it up? Because what are you now, 25? I'm 20, almost 26. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. What? I said, are you 25? And you're just like, no, I'm 26. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, a big girl now. No. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, when does that come in? I thought, I, I thought you, you know, naturally most I, people by the time they're in high school, they're 16, 17, they're doodling, they're drawing, but it sounds like your pursuit was definitely more I mean I've always been drawing but I never really thought of doing it professionally uh -huh. um, and then so when I realized that dancing would not be really what I would really be doing I went to community college in Forest Park mm -hmm. and I enrolled in art degree and um, I was really n nervous if this really was something that I was good at. And I remember going to uh, my advisor and I was asking her, so uh, do you think I, I'm good enough to be? <laughs> and I even went to a local artist, um, Zababi Bayek, I think, to ask him if I, if do you think I'm good enough to be an artist? And I showed him some of my drawings, which are shitty. But <laughs> anyway, um, and then I decided to do it, and I realized that I was like better than most people in community <laughs> college. That's great. And then yeah, and then I just kept on doing it, and you know, got better at it, and I decided this is what I really wanted to do. But that's not how I thought in the beginning. I was right. being a dancer and. And um, I was also learning how to play piano. Mm -hmm. 
So that was also the theme is the arts. It, it was it's like. all art. Yeah, it's something. all art. But you know, music, dancing, um, like painting, drawing was like the last thing in my field. Yeah. But that's how I. That's where I am now. How 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 did you see art in the beginning when you were um, at the college level? Like, what did, was it? Was it something that had was a skill set they had to conquer? Was it more? Was it more of an intellectual approach, or was it more an intuitive approach for you? When I first started learning, I think it's, it all has to start with technical and technical skills, and that's where you learn your, you know, your basics and your anchor. And then after you understand all the rules of of what makes a good design, that's when you go off and maybe even break what you learned. Just because you know, I think that allows you to go in your own ways. So in the beginning in community college, I just learned how to draw, how to paint, and then... Um, when I felt like I built enough skills, I decided to paint what I'm actually interested in. And then when I moved on to uh, Webster University, that's when I started really learning about concepts and not just about technique, but what kind of message I'm trying to convey with my paintings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're, they're interesting. They really are. I mean, the few that I've, that I've got to see, we have a few hanging in the shop. And they're, they're, what I liked was is that you had a painting that looked like at one point in time it was a, a face or features of a face. And then you just cut the whole entire thing up and, and rearranged it all. It's yeah. a, there's like a box and, and it looks like someone cut up a painting and rearranged it in geometrical shapes. It still looks organized, but it has this kind of more suggestive feel to it. Mm-hmm. And so tell me about the process of making some of that that um, those those series of paintings that you made because I know you just had an art show too where you displayed some of them. Yeah. Um, so with my paintings, I first just you know painted what I was interested in, which at that point were like just faces that looked very um, sad, but not in a textbook way of conveying sadness but more of a melancholic um kind of hard to understand what that person's actually feeling and that's what I was interested in and I realized at one point that all of my paintings looked the same there was no real mm, like there was no real differences between any of them and then I realized that I was this doing what I wanted to do, but that was not enough for me to feel satisfied as an artist. And then I decided to just destroy our, my, destroy all my paintings by just cutting them all off. And I decided to, why not just use all of these to make new work? And that's when I decided to just piece them all back together. I think, I think that was... Uh... I've kind of heard loosely this story before, but to me it sounded like a Genesis moment. Like right. you had this, you had this thing that you, this pursuit, and you you had the yeah. wherewithal to wherewithal. I don't know what the word is. You weren't married to them. Yeah. They weren't sacred to you just because you created them. 
Yeah. And you're like, you know, this isn't right. And then you actually, you were actually able to reorganize them mm-hmm. and have a, and I think it takes a new perspective on what the paintings were. Yeah. And I think it, I think it takes it to an, a whole nother level because mm. I, I have seen paintings, yeah. you know, of course that's a dumb statement, but the organization that you use is very unique. And I, th- I, I thought it was, that was, I think when I personally, when I looked at your portfolio, those jumped at me. The, the, the sculptures? <clears throat> yeah, the sculpture mm. paintings. Because they were only photographs in the in, in your portfolio. And then when I saw them in real life, I was like, wow, this is, this is even cooler than those photographs. You know, this, this yeah. is like tangible. You can touch it and it's got different layers, but you can see a face in it. And mm. I don't know. I, I, I did enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so you get out of college. You need to make money. Mm-hmm. And... And then I, uh, I, saw, I saw an advertisement about... Uh, of the zoo looking for a caricature artist Mm -hmm. and so i thought you know now that i graduated i want to find something that's actually about art because there are so many people who have art degree and then they just don't really go into that path Mm -hmm. of doing art um but I just I wanted to do art which is why i went into school to do this was there was there did did you know there were things you definitely didn't want to do? I didn't want to be a teacher. Okay. I did not want to be a teacher. And there that was like I felt that was like the only thing that was available as an artist. Yeah. If you don't want to be this freelancer, yeah. Like the only chance you have to be to have like a job as an artist is to be a teacher I think and it's I didn't want to be a teacher. Super ironic, right? Why? That you go to school to teach people on how to go to school. <laughs> to teach people how to go to school. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a closed it's a closed loop. Yeah. You know. And yeah. I I I I thought some of the same things. I mean, I knew what I didn't want to do. Uh, with 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 my art, but but the thing of it is, is that for my pursuit, I already knew I wanted a tattoo. I just mm-hmm. didn't know if it was going to happen. Right. And so when I went to art school, it wasn't because I just wanted to get away from my mom and dad. I went to art school because the tattoo artists that I admired had all dropped out of art school. So I just reverse engineered their path mm-hmm. and went to art school. So I, I don't think I was ever a hundred percent invested right. in my art career mm-hmm. because I already knew like as soon as I'm done with this shit, I'm fucking tattooing. Like I don't know when, I don't know mm-hmm. how, but I'm gonna get myself ready so mm-hmm. when the opportunity comes, I'm able to to, to, to take advantage of that, of that opportunity. I knew I needed an apprenticeship, but for me it was like a longer path. Yeah, yeah I yeah. just like tried out everything to see what works. Yeah, and then it's yeah. So I went to the zoo and then I got the job and. I did caricaturing, which I think is really similar to tattooing in a way. You're spending time with a person and you're permanently marking their, almost like their identity. Mm-hmm. With, I, I use markers mm-hmm. to caricature, so that's permanent. Um, so, and then I also have to understand who they are mm-hmm. and what their interests are. So what you mean is like your strokes count when you're actually drawing. It's not, it's it's not not a portrait. Yeah. You're not not using a soft pencil and building up. No. Every mark counts when you're doing a caricature. Right. 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 Yeah. And well, unlike tattooing, it's like a minute. It's like, it's an entertainment type of um, art form. It's, Mm. it's more like a business form. So I have to make it, uh, I have to finish it within like three minutes. Um, 
But even in that short amount of time, I still have to understand not e- it's not even just first impression, but just how they move and how they talk. I can understand um, it might sound bad, but I can put them into a certain pattern of who they are. Sure. It's funny. Our crumb did a uh, interview for um, a, a magazine slash book thing, and he was talking about how uh, it wasn't just him. It was him and two other uh, classic comic book artists who are mostly underground. But our crumb was talking about how it's difficult to draw people nowadays without offending somebody. How do you make somebody look like they're from the South? How do you make someone look like they're from Russia? How do you make somebody mm-hmm. look like they're from Japan? Okay. Without and you're pulling out the characteristics, but it's like with the PC world, you're you're not allowed to say like that's not what everyone looks like. You're <laughs> you're stereotyping. Okay. But when yeah. we're artists, we totally have to stereotype. We have to go. If I know four, then five is probably true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you got a if you got some guy that shows up with a camouflage shirt on and a bright orange hat and a big leather wallet and some chew in his mouth, he probably voted Republican. I'm just yeah. saying he probably did. He might not have. We're not we're not holding him to that. Yeah. But there's signals people put off. You know. Yeah. And people actually enjoy it. That's the whole part. At least for what I do, like at at parties, people enjoy seeing that. <laughs> the, the, the fact that they're categorized they like enjoy it it's like an mirror it's, yeah yeah <laughs> it it's is. like a mirror yeah. mirror on the wall yeah, who's the fairest find, on the wall yeah and then yeah, they yeah, totally. find it really funny I don't know if it's because of like the place they are they are maybe they, they don't feel as amused if they were somewhere else but at least where I'm at which are like wedding receptions birthday parties and like personal private parties and such they enjoy seeing themselves mm-hmm. as a, in a category mm-hmm yeah, that's what I found to be really interesting. People actually enjoy being part of a tribe. Oh, yeah. Um, it has to do with uh, this like kind of lost identity thing. You know, right, like right. people want to be a part of a tribe. They want to have the comfort of acceptance. They want to have the comfort of a group. They right. want to have the comfort of strength in numbers. Yeah. And they want to know if they're going to be around like-minded people. People don't want confrontation every day. You know, you don't want to put a redneck, you know, total fucking backwoods dude and yeah. stick him in a in a in an office cubicle he's not gonna enjoy that life <laughs> yeah you know there's gonna be tension so his natural habitat's going to be something with a little more open atmosphere hunting mm. you know pickup trucks you know stuff like that and there's nothing wrong with that you know but i think people always do they they will gravitate towards their own mm-hmm. have you ever been to a, like an event and found someone like-minded out of a thousand people mm-hmm. like how did how did we it's like magnets. We found each other. You know, that's yeah. just, I think it's natural, you know? I think it's our energy. Also. Totally. Yeah. And there's a lot of energy to be said. And I think that's another thing. You said tattooing and caricature kind of go together. There's energy in both of those. Yeah. You know, I know when I'm drawing for somebody. Um, what was I drawing the other day? Well, I was drawing a phoenix. And there's a way that I draw phoenixes. It can be a little crisp and a little bit uh, sharp and a little bit more like angular. But the girl I was drawing it for was fun and bubbly. And this yeah. phoenix would not have looked good on a bubbly girl. So I actually had to stop drawing the way I was and pretend, okay, what if my client was a phoenix? So I drew the phoenix more bubbly, more goofy, you know, and it was still fine. I mean, still had structure. But yeah, I totally brought her into the into the character right. of the animal. I think that's know? also something that I have to learn more in my apprenticeship is to have myself out as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Like with doing caricatures, 
there's I got so wrapped up into this idea of having a style mm -hmm. that I did not really care about the people that I was I was uh, I was drawing and I was more about how I see them mm -hmm. more than how they would they would want to see how of themselves mm -hmm. so I think that's also something that I should learn more mm -hmm. in my apprenticeship is to get myself out as much as I can yeah, yeah. and there's a process to that and I think yeah. you know the structure that we've set up for you helps to slowly cross over a threshold yeah. You know, I, I, you know, part of the part of the reason why your apprenticeship is set up where you're a girl who wants to learn how to tattoo first, is because it, to me it's asinine to have someone walk in a door, where on Monday they were, you know, Jim, Jim the, Jim the draw person, the guy that draws. Yeah. On Wednesday they go in, they say I'd like an apprenticeship, and on Friday they're the shop apprentice. I mean that transition just isn't fast enough for Jim to really understand what he's apprenticing into. Mm -hmm. So the part of the process of your apprenticeship is really just getting you 100% involved in tattoo life and tattoo lifestyle and tattoo community and the culture aspect, not so much the business aspect. Because it's just like what you said about character. If you're so concerned about you and how you're drawing and you forget there's someone there, sometimes I feel like that's 85 to 90% of tattooing today is people are all into how they did the tattoo and not so much on who the tattoo's right. for. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, and, it, and it looks wrong. You mm -hmm. get these little cute girls with gigantic evil things on their arm. And it's mm -hmm. like, that's not you. Mm -hmm. You know, that is not your tribe, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but whatever. Um, so anyway, we find each other. And, um, you know, I, I am curious to this point because I'm, I don't really grill you too much. Right. Um, but what what's the journey been now? Because you've been you've been hanging out for almost four months, maybe five months. I can't remember. Um, and I know there's always uh, a process to changing perspective. Can you just try to back up a little bit and and tell me about before you started hanging out in the shops a lot? What was your perspective on tattooing? What kind of drew you to it initially? Um, <clears throat> I think with tattooing. I was more interested in more like a technical abilities of as someone who does not really understand the process. I was interested in more. I think I was just thinking too much about the result rather than how it's actually going to be each steps. And I think that's what I'm experiencing right now. Um, so my mindset of how I came in I think is completely different from how I am now um, in a way that I thought I would, I don't know, I was just thinking of how it's going to be when I start tattooing, not really thinking of how it's going to be while learn, how while I'm learning, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. I Does think it? that's totally natural. Really? Yeah, I mean, when I got my apprenticeship, I, I was really dumb. Really? I mean, I was... I was only 20 years old, so I didn't really have a full understanding of money, what yeah. career was. I didn't even know how much tattoos really were. I had a couple small ones, yeah. but I mean, I was so young that I only, I didn't have that many. I had yeah. like, like, if you looked at me, I didn't look like a tattooed person, you know, but I was just so drawn to it um, that when I finally got my apprenticeship, I really didn't understand what it even meant to get my apprenticeship, you know? Yeah. Um, but now that you've got, you know, we, we've like, gone and we've set some goals, mm -hmm. um, we set small 
benchmarks in order to achieve larger goals. And you've been going through those. Uh, and part of that was just to give you a better picture. I know we started a blog where you could start actually doing articles about what you've learned. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, just a shameless plug. Haram, H-R-A-M, tattoo.com. And she's got a blog there. Um, what, do you, what did you, what were kind of the, was there any fun discoveries? Was there any, like, how was that process when you really started? Like, you know, I have a library of books that you were able to kind of access. Plus there's the internet. What, what, what was there well, any we, characters that kind of jumped out at you? Is, well, what, we what talked you about like? this before, but. You know, in the beginning when I was talking about how I'm learning how to tattoo, all the designs with tattooing, it was, was like specifically for like tattooing. And I had my own work, which were my own like this melancholic looking paintings. And that was like my own work. But as I noticed that as the time goes on, I'm realizing that I'm, I'm, my mindset is changing in a way that this is my work. Mm-hmm. Like the tat, like all those um, Sailor Jerry designs that I've been doing for um, you know for the for for a while. It's is that's like my work, um, and I think that's how my mindset is changing in a way that I do not um, I don't distance myself to this um, this tattoo world. I feel more closer to it. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think the difference is in, in, in the drawing process or the design process and tattooing versus what you said was yours, what you owned, the, the paintings you owned, your, you know, <laughs> someone could call it body of work, someone would call it style. Well, the biggest thing is it's not about me. Yeah. My paintings, it's all about me. Mm-hmm. Um, with tattoo designs, it's about how it's actually going to look, um, if, how clean it is, how, how it's going to look. After over, you know, after many years has passed, mm-hmm. if it's actually going to look as how it's supposed to be, um, so it's a lot more thinking than with paintings. With paintings, all you have to really think about is your concept and how, and also like protecting it with you know all those protector stuff. So it's not as much of thinking involved. I feel. With tattooing, you have to make it clean, simple, and recognizable over years. So it's it's a completely different mindset that I feel. It is, yeah. And I don't know. It's it's amazing to me that you say that because I I think there's people who've been tattooing for a number of years that that don't get that concept. That a it's not about them, and b that there's a whole lot of thought that needs to be put into the, the just the design process. You know, the the tattooing itself learning the mechanics i mean to me it's always been like well i can teach you know i can teach you to tattoo just like you could teach me how to weld there's technical Mm -hmm. skill involved a goes with b a never goes with c don't mix these two do it this way continue you know Mm -hmm. Uh, i've dumbed it dumbed it down quite a bit but it's the idea is what is the intent and what is it you're actually trying to do which is way more important than the technical application of the tattoo you know i think a lot of people we used to joke in the 90s, that people were tattooing for the photo, you know, meaning, mm-hmm. yeah, the tattoo looked great in the photo, but right. did you see it last week? It looked like shit, you yeah. know? And I think that now that we have the world of Instagram, that's, that couldn't be, well, I don't want to sell anyone short, but there's a lot more of tattooing for the photo and a whole lot less tattooing for the person and tattooing for the design. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But that being said, we're starting to wrap up the first phase of your um, mm-hmm. introduction into tattooing. Yeah. I wouldn't say the first phase of your apprenticeship, but the first phase of your introduction to tattooing. Mm-hmm. And you're going to eventually have a new title where you will no longer be Haram, the girl who wants to learn how to tattoo. You'll be Haram, the apprentice. And um, what are you nervous? Are you looking forward to that? Are you are you biting? Are you mm-hmm. is there part of you that wants to hold back? Is there a part of you that's kind of ready to jump in? Um, it feels like I'm my my concentration has transformed or changed into a different in a different room. This is how I how this is how my mind works. It's like I'm in this room. And now I'm in a just completely, not completely, but in a different room. Mm-hmm. I feel like I am transitioning into a different room. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you ready? Well, I'm like in. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I feel like it's. It's completely, not. I keep saying completely. Um, it's really different. Um, I, I feel like I'm. In, like com- combining myself with other people and mm-hmm. that's the biggest change of it all is that like our first our first training was all about like me painting and learning about how about the tattoo world and about the machines and now we're transitioning into like involving other people into my into my training mm-hmm. so it's almost overwhelming but it's it's different. It is different. Yeah. And yeah. it takes a little bit. But I think the fact that you have some of that character to your background right. is going to help. I think the yeah. people that have the hardest time are, are people who have made art by themselves all these years. And yeah. adding that next thing as thinking of thinking of a person as just a canvas with no personality, yeah. uh, I think that really stifles the tattoo artist. But knowing, being being aware, like you said it, Watching what they say, how they move, what they're doing, reading reading what their body language says and listening to what they don't say. Part of that helps with the organic process of making sure that you're putting the right tattoo on the right person. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so anyway, this is um, this podcast was kind of like a good way to introduce you. Right. Um, to let people I know some people have already kind of figured out who you are yeah. because of, you know, my feeds and you're starting to get a little bit more momentum on the social network aspect. Um, so I think this is a I, I wanted to do this to kind of like announce to people like, hey, I got this really good charismatic yeah. person here that is uh, getting ready to start a whole new chapter in her life um, and, uh, and in a way kind of document this moment uh, before you before you get your tattoo head. You know, you got your pocket full of money, you got all fancy cars, you know, people are just going to like praise you and tell you how awesome you are. And you're going to be like, you know, you know, and you know that there's a, there's the tattoo curse where everyone gains about 50 pounds the first year they start tattooing. What do you mean? Watch. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody, everybody starts tattooing. They start eating better. They, you know. Their belt size gets a little <laughs> bit bigger. They get a little bit lazier. They get a little bit chunkier. They sit down all day. Yeah, hmm. yeah. It's the curse, man. So you gotta you gotta fight the curse. You gotta okay. stay physically fit, mentally fit. You know the whole bit. Mm-hmm. So if there was something, if there was one thing you could tell young Haram, what 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 kind of message would you give her? 
Like, so what do the, you mean the, by young? Like the 12, now, if or? you could go back to 12 year old Haram that oh just showed up in the States, what would you tell her? What would I tell her? Yeah. Um, uh, to be more open with people, to be able to be more understand, to be more understanding of everyone, and not be such an outsider, but to feel more like an insider in an outside world. That's how I would feel. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. That's absolutely great. <laughs> yeah. All right, this has been another episode of the Bastards of Art podcast. You can reach us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, FM Player. Of course, the website, www.bastardsart.com. You can uh, find my pointless blogs about my opinions on tattooing at matthodeltattoo.com. And I really want to encourage you to check out H-R-A-M Tattoo, haramtattoo.com. She's got a blog there where you can start to follow her journey into this fucking weird world of tattooing. Um, Yeah, that's about the size of it. So I want to thank everybody. Go to the iTunes, hit like, uh, rate us, leave a review so that more and more people can find this podcast. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. All right.